Welcome to Savvy Sab's podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina Salvati. My special guest today is Jimmy Dore. He's a comedian and he's the host of The Jimmy Dore Show. Welcome, Jimmy. Hey, thanks for having me on. This is fantastic. I'm sorry I'm late, but we're here. We're here now. Oh, no worries. Thanks so much for coming on. So I wanted to thank you. Um, I saw you tweeted out about the marches for Medicare for all. And I just wanted to say thank you for that because we're trying to get the word out to as many people as possible. I'm actually going to be the MC for the march in Boston. And I was wondering if you would like to endorse the marches for Medicare for all. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I, that, I'm all for it. And uh, I'm a big fan of whole Washington. Also, they're fighting on the state level for Medicare for all, which seems like it could happen. So uh Let's do it. Uh, so yeah, I'm all for it. I'm going to try and be at the one in LA, uh, but uh, it might be a travel day for me, but if it's not, I'll be there. Awesome. So uh, the first question I have for you is, you know, you actually showed me that news and politics can be enjoyable um, because like growing up, like my dad always had on the news and I thought the news was really boring, but you actually implement humor into your show when you talk about politics and news. And I was wondering, is that something that you learned along the way? Or do you just feel like comedians just naturally have that ability to, to be able to add humor to any subject? Well, I mean, I think it's more of the latter. I mean, I just think that uh, I don't try to take myself too seriously. And uh, I don't try to set, you know, uh, I always refer to myself as a pothead jagoff comedian in my garage uh, because that's uh, what I am. And, uh, and so I just kind of keeps, a you know, uh, keeps my feet on the ground that way. So I don't start to take myself too seriously. And I think when I was just noticing, like I had Glenn Greenwald on my show, uh, yesterday or the day before, and, uh, he likes to joke around when he comes on. I don't see him joking around on any other shows, but I always, you know, so we always have a few moments before we go on the air and then we joke around and then he carries that over. And I like to, I like to, you know, I like to, humor often expresses an honesty, you know, so you can be honest in humor in, in a way you can't normally. And so that's another thing I like about humor. Uh, and so I like to keep that on the show. Uh, but, you know, John F. Kennedy has a quote that says, uh, greatness isn't achieved by being at one extreme or the other by, by touching both at the same time. And I'd like to think that I breached the peak of outrage and the peak of humor on my show. So I try to do both. Awesome. So um, for people in my generation, a lot of us kind of had our political awakening during Obama's presidency. Um, for me, that was when I realized that, hey, maybe Democrats are bad, too. And I was wondering, like, for you, when it would you Bill say Clinton. that? Huh? It was Bill Clinton. It was so, yeah. So the thing about Bill Clinton was that he had such, you know, monstrous enemies, right? So he was going up against people like Rush Limbaugh and the Cretans like uh, Newt Gingrich, and he was he's he was the one fighting for health care for you, and you know it seemed like he was on the right side of the things. But then I realized that Bill Clinton was no friend to the working man, and you know he did NAFTA. Uh, which George Bush the first could not get done. Only a Democrat could get NAFTA passed. George Bush the first tried to pass it, and the Southern Blue Dog Democrats 
wouldn't vote against it because of the union and stuff. Well, Bill Clinton came in and gave them cover. So that cut the knees out from underneath uh, unions for the, forever since then. And uh, so he did that at the same time he gutted welfare and exploded the prison population while deregulating the media at the same time, which took us from 50 giant media corporations down to six. And then he also tried to privatize Social Security and then he deregulated Wall Street. This guy was Ronald Reagan on steroids. That's when I was like, holy shit, the Democrats became re worse Republicans than the Republicans. And then, of course, uh, we got George Bush II and uh, all the Democrats went along with his imperialism. And, uh, you know, then we got Barack Obama, who was chosen by Wall Street, right? Because his cabinet literally came, because we know this because of WikiLeaks, his cabinet came from an email from Citigroup. And every person on that email made it into his cabinet. So and Barack Obama got more money from Wall Street than the Republican opponent, John McCain. So they knew you cannot become president unless Wall Street says it's okay. And this last time, Wall Street wanted Kamala Harris to be president. She couldn't get a vote, couldn't get a delegate. So they switched to the next most reliable tool, which was a demented Joe Biden. It didn't matter that he's demented. The establishment media is going to cover for him. They still, even the late night comedians haven't mentioned it. You know, when I go on stage in comedy clubs now, I just go, so uh, Joe Biden's demented. And, um, and then it gets a big laugh. And I go, I don't really have a joke for that. Don't need one. It's just that, just to speak that truth, uh, it gets a reaction out of people. That That's a truth that we all have in our mind that no one will say out loud. And so they say Trump was the biggest liar. I think the bigger liar is giving us a demented person and saying he's running the country. All good points. Um I, so let me just tell you about, can I, I'll just tell you what Barack Obama did in a similar economic crisis. Barack Obama kicked 5.1 million families out of their houses so that Wall Street, and gave those houses back to the Wall Street banks he just bailed out. That's what Barack Obama did in a similar situation. When he had complete control of government, he gave us a right-wing health care plan that's a nothing but a giveaway to big pharma and the health insurance companies, which is why once that Obamacare passed, their stock prices soared of the pharmaceuticals and the health care companies. He kicked people out of their houses. He was in bed. He ramped up. He took us from two wars to seven. He gassed those immigrants. He, had, he deported more Mexicans than all the presidents combined since 1890. He gassed immigrants at the border. You know why Trump had to ban Muslims at the airport? Because Barack Obama spent eight years bombing them. Barack Obama bombed brown people so much he ran out of bombs. They literally ran out of bombs. That's your Nobel Prize winner. Nobel Prize winner who also had a, a kill list. That's kind of a contradiction. He built those cages those kids were in. He There's fracking pipes underneath this country because he repealed the laws that prohibited exportation of that stuff. Uh, so this country is living in a neoliberal nightmare that Barack Obama brought us. Yep. And, and that's I'm glad why we have Trump. So the people who were poor and couldn't afford health care before Obamacare still couldn't. It didn't help the poor working poor at all because they couldn't afford the deductibles. So if they have a $10,000 deductible, they're not going to the goddamn doctor. So it didn't help change people's lives. We haven't had a raise in the minimum wage. Uh, the income disparity got greater during Barack Obama's time. And that's why you got Trump. It wasn't because of Russia. And it wasn't because of racism. There's always been racism. Three out of the last four RNC chairmen have apologized for the Southern strategy, which is their racist strategy. The 
This isn't something new, but the Democrats and the establishment media want you to think that racism just got invented and that's why Trump beat Hillary Clinton. No. Trump beat Hillary Clinton because people are hurting and they're not going, they'll take a chance with a con man. That's why. Yep. And I want to add to that, that black wealth actually tanked under Barack Obama. And a lot of people don't talk about that. A lot of Democrats don't talk about that. We were better off before Obama than we were after Obama. And he wouldn't even take marijuana uh, uh, and wouldn't even let people out of jail. He he militarized the police, Barack Obama did. He didn't reform the criminal justice system. He made it even more racist. He made it even more militarized. He didn't help people who were in prison. He didn't, it, we're, we got slave labor from coast to coast and everybody knows it. Right now, uh, in California, they passed a bill, that a law that said that you can't use private prisons for immigrants. Joe Biden is in court trying to overturn that. Right now, there's a law, uh, there's a rule, an executive order uh, that allows religious uh, schools to discriminate against LGBTQ. Uh, Joe Biden is supporting that right now. He's not overturning it. He's supporting it. So this idea that you're a good person if you vote for Joe Biden is nothing but a fallacy. If you vote for Joe Biden, you're you're evil. You're voting for evil. And that's why I say if you have a conscience from here on out, you cannot vote for a Democrat or a Republican because they have proven that even the best of them, the squad, uh, they will go along with Goldman Sachs, Eli Lilly and Blue Cross Blue Shield and screw you over because that's what voting for them did. They go along with Nancy Pelosi and who owns Nancy Pelosi? The oligarchs. So when you're voting for them, you're voting for oligarchs. The squad being inside the Democratic Party gives people the false notion that there's someone in government fighting for you, that there's a party that's on your side. That is not true. And I would like to uh, disabuse people of that idea. That's actually worse having the progressives in the Democratic Party than not. If they weren't in that party, people would know for sure their government was their enemy and they would be looking elsewhere and to do other things. But right now they keep dangling that carrot. Oh no, AOC and uh, uh, Rashid Tlaib and Ro Khan, they're all pl- working for you and fighting. Then Bernie Sanders, and they're not doing shit. They are doing the bidding of the oligarchs. Bernie Sanders is acting like Joe Biden is his boss instead of being there and pushing him left and using his leverage and putting holds on bills. He won't do anything Joe Manchin will do for the people. But Joe Manchin can fight like that because he's fighting for his owners. Agreed. Now, I know, Jimmy, I know some people have criticized you for talking to people on the right or talking to Tucker Carlson. I honestly feel like we need to talk to as many people as possible on both sides, especially when we want to talk to them about different policies, such as Medicare for all. I've talked to conservatives about Medicare for all. What do you say to people who feel like you shouldn't talk to people on the right? So when I go on, when people criticize me for going on Tucker Carlson, it's just like, um, people get mad at me because they don't like Tucker Carlson. Right. And they think somehow I'm propping him up. Uh, I'm on Tucker Carlson because Rachel Maddow, Chris Hayes and Chris Cuomo and Anderson Cooper aren't inviting me on. I would love to go on those shows and talk about Julian Assange. I would love to go on those shows and talk about the OPCW whistleblower scandal. I would love to go on those shows and talk about the anti-war message that I have. 
They're not inviting me on. They're not inviting people like me on. So if I get an opportunity to talk to half the country and, and especially the president of the United States, because he used to watch that show and I could advocate for Julian Assange, I'm going to do it. I went on Tucker Carlson's show the last time and he admitted to me that it was based on my the strength of my argument that he, the host of the number one news show in America, changed his mind on Julian Assange. So now the people, half the country who watch this guy now are getting a different message about Julian Assange. That used to be the goal of lefties. That used to be the goal was to change people's minds with the strength of your arguments. So that's why I go. It's easy to go and talk to an echo chamber. Uh, it's much more meaningful to go talk to the people and change hearts and minds, which is what my show does more than I think anybody else's. And so that, that's why. And. And when people uh, people criticized me because I had a Boogaloo boy on my show and I interviewed him, I didn't endorse him. I just interviewed him. And so by haters, which are the people who support the Democratic Party, they conflated that into Jimmy's uh, propping up the right wing. No, the Boogaloo boys were invented as a counter to the Proud Boys. People were conflating the Boogaloo boys and the Proud Boys. I found out through that interview that the Boogaloo boys were set up as a counter to the Proud Boys and that they were against the cops, uh, anti-war, uh, and they were pro-LGBTQ. In fact, there's documented video evidence of the Boogaloo Boys providing security for Black Lives Matter protesters, all right? So that's what I did. And so people wanna conflate that and twist it as to, to smear me, and that's exactly not what's happening. So when, and here's another thing people don't realize. When people say we have to organize along class lines, they don't realize what they're saying. Because if you're gonna organize along class, I've been in unions, right? I've worked at UPS, I've been, the way I was a bricklayer for 10 years, you don't hear, you don't organize like this. You don't go, hey, who here's a Trumper? You're out. Who here's a Proud Boy? You're out. Who here's a Boogaloo Boy? You're out. Who's a gun nut? You're out. Who's a libertarian? You're out. Who's left? Now I'm going to organize a union with you guys. That's not how unions work. So when you're organizing along class lines, that means organizing with people who voted for Trump. Agreed. People Agreed. don't realize that. But people who voted for Trump are often anti-war. So you, you, have, you can work with those people, just like Bernie works with uh, right-wing senators on Yemen, you can work with those people on same that goddamn thing. Uh, some Most of those people are now for Medicare for all. You can work with those people. A lot of those people are anti-police uh, brutality. You can work with those people. A lot of those people are pro-LGBT. I work with them on those issues. I don't work on them. on the. I don't believe in the gun right issue. I'm not with them. I'll try to change them. You change people with the strength of your arguments. You don't change people by not engaging. That's what George Bush and Dick Cheney used to do. They would have to say, we're not going to meet with our enemies until they meet our preconditions. Well, that's not how fucking negotiating works. That's why you meet to negotiate because you disagree. So uh, this idea that you're going to somehow get a big enough coalition of people, uh, uh, working class people, but you you're going to you're going to get rid of half the country of working class people. That's not how organizing works. And that's what people don't want to admit. And so it's much easier to throw all your hatred onto Tucker Carlson, someone who has no no power. He has no power uh, in government. I mean, you want to throw all your again on him 
or you want to throw it on me, go, go ahead. You can throw it. But in order to get anything done, if when you say you're going to organize along cl class lines, that's what it means. And if you see me on Tucker Carlson, it should make you pissed off that I'm not on MSNBC and I'm not on CNN because I would love to go on those shows. I'm not being invited. Mm. You know, TYT didn't even have Julian Assange's father on when he toured the country. Right. So Julian Sons didn't go on CNN. He didn't go on MSNBC. He went on my show and he went on Tucker Carlson's show. Why is MSNBC letting Tucker Carlson out left them like that? Isn't that weird? Very weird. Very strange. So are they angry at Tucker Carlson's, uh, at Julian Assange's father for going on the uh, most watched news show in America to plead for uh, clemency for his son? Is, is that wrong? Of course not. Of course that's not wrong. Shame on all the, it's shame on everybody else. Shame on Anderson Cooper. Shame on Chris Cuomo. Shame on uh, uh, Don Lemon. Shame on Rachel Maddow. Shame on fake tough guy Lawrence O'Donnell. Shame on no, that's what that is. Agreed. Uh, funny thing, I didn't even know, like back then, I didn't even know what a boogaloo boy was. Like when I first heard that, I was like, is this like electric boogaloo from the 80s? Like that movie? Either did I, I had no idea. That's why I brought a guy on and we interviewed him and it was surprising to hear the things that he said. Now, the things about the Boogaloo Boys is there's, they're not cohesive, there's different factions. So he made it by only speaking for the faction that he was familiar with. And so, I, again, I said during that interview, I don't endorse the Boogaloo Boys. I'm not speaking on behalf of them. I'm just talking to this one guy today. And people completely conflated that because, you know, when you have haters, I mean, you see how I've been smeared because I was pushing for force the vote. So they smeared me. They called me head of the dirtback left. Uh, I'm working with Nazis. I'm a conspiracy theorist. I'm this, that. The Newsweek did that. Uh, BuzzFeed did that. New York Magazine did that to me. Why? Because I was pushing for Medicare for all. Agreed. Um, sorry, I'm trying to keep up with the comments here. Speaking of TYT, so I saw TYT smear of Aaron. I saw like Anna's like trying to like blackmail you. I saw Kyle's video. All of those things I found very, very awful. But for me, it's easier to remove myself from it because I don't know those people personally. But for you, how do you feel that these are former coworkers and friends of yours? How do you feel that they're behaving this way? It was super painful for me um, that uh, a, 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 that Jenk would just keep allowing Anna to publicly uh, drag my name through the mud and question my character for no reason. And uh, when I finally responded, uh, Jenk then piled on me too. And so then I'm like, it was very painful for me because I was loyal to them. And, uh, you know, some of the best times of my life were 2015 when we were covering the Bernie campaign. And I felt like we were all had a purpose that we all shared. So it was a wonderful time in my life. And so I always have a huge, you know, um, sentimental feeling for that place. Right. And so, uh, that was really painful. It was like a death. It was like a death for me. And I just had to defend myself and expose them. And I, because I couldn't believe what they had left, allowed themselves to become. They'd allowed themselves to become the worst version of themselves. They became CIA talking point repeating, uh, McCarthyite smearing, uh, uh, 
uh, proper uppers of the establishment, you know, and imperialism. And it was disgusting. And when they smeared Julian Assange, I couldn't, my mind was blown when they did that. I just couldn't believe that. I can't believe that they still exist after they did that. And so I exposed them for doing that and, uh, and a bunch of other shady things that they are into now since they took that $24 million. Um, and they didn't know how to respond because they can't respond to those critiques. And they started McCarthy smearing people. And uh, they even, Anna even tweeted out a doctored video of Aaron Maté that made it look like he was saying Assad was his hero. When of course he was not saying anything like that. She tweeted out a doctored video. And then when she got caught doing that, she never apologized. She never even acknowledged that she did that. That's a journalist tweeting out a doctored video, deceptively edited video to smear another anti-war journalist. She's never had to pay a price for that. No one ever even brings that up. And you know why? Because she then went on to smear me with a bogus hashtag me too allegation. And now everybody's talking about that instead of talking about her tweeting out that doctored video and saying Aaron Maté, an anti-war journalist who won awards and went to Syria is somehow on the take working for Assad and being paid by the Russians. Even Roger Waters called them out. All right, the, the, the legend from uh, uh, Pink Floyd, or as Jack Uger would refer to him as some random Pink Floyd guy from 80 years ago. It's like saying, oh, you know, Paul McCartney, some random Beatle from 80 years ago. Oh, that Mick Jagger, some random Rolling Stone guy from 80 years ago. The guy's so relevant, he was trending the next day because Mark Zuckerberg wanted to use his music to get more young people to come use his social media app. That's how relevant Roger Waters is. And uh, so anyway, he even was criticizing them. And so that's what, and so now everybody, including Kyle Kalinske decided to talk, validate that weaponization uh, uh, in a fraudulent way of the hashtag Me Too movement. It was obvious that that was in retaliation for our criticism and that she was trying to weaponize a personal moment that I had apologized for seven years ago that was water under the bridge. You can't do that. She's the one, and so that's what everybody ended up talking. So there's nothing. And then the next week, Jenk went on the Hill and called me a neo-Nazi, said that I was in bed with neo-Nazis. That's how bad, that's how desperate they are because no one's watching their show. I'm getting 14,000 live stream viewers, a pothead jagoff comedian in my garage, them with their $24 million, they're getting 3,000 viewers. No one wants to see their shit anymore after they smear Julian Assange and calls everybody who they don't like a Russian. They're, People are done with them. Uh, agreed. I mean, I haven't watched TYT in a while. Jenk also went on the Hill when he tried to smear me as being in bed with the neo-Nazis, also said that I'm a preposterous liar. And that, and the only thing he could point to that I lied about, he says, Jimmy said I'm for bombing Syria. I never said that. Well, of course, I just showed that there was not, not only did he say it, but he argued it to me for 10 minutes on a videotape that I dropped. Uh, we argued, it was me against three of them. They were all for bombing, Johnny uh, Adirola, Ben Mankiewicz, and and Jenk, and they were all taking turns trying to get me to admit that bombing would be good in a certain situation. And I'm like, no, in all situations I'm against. And Jenk said, literally, I'm for bombing any country we can. That's what he said. So that's when, when asked, what was Jimmy Dore's lie about you? He points to something I told the truth about and that he's lying about. And uh, it's, it's, it's been a crazy ride. And, and I was really disappointed in the way Kyle Kalinske covered it. It was super, he made super false equivalencies. He handled it in a really uh, 
not a straightforward way at all. Uh, he took, he made it sound like I went around bringing up the story and I wanted to talk about Anna Kasparian and the way she dressed just for kicks. The reason why I had to tell that story and bring that up was because Anna Kasparian was threatened to blackmail me. She was threatening to weaponize a, an incident from seven years ago in our life. When I told a joke, I made a joke, an innocuous joke at work that, uh, that embarrassed her. And I immediately apologized for it. And I even gave her a card the next day saying, I'm sorry about that. You don't ever have to worry about that happening again. And it didn't. And you know, I'd made that apology without a blackmail threat and without a pressure campaign or the threat of losing my job. And she was my boss, by the way. She was the one who booked me on the show. She could have fired me anytime she wanted. She did it. We had a very cordial working relationship. We were friends. She invited me to her wedding. So uh, we, we got along very well. And then seven years later, when her and Jen Uger have lost their minds and are McCarthy smearing everybody, including Julian Assange and award-winning anti-war journalist uh, Aaron Maté, then she DMs me to blackmail me and says, hey, I'm gonna weaponize that card you gave me. I'm gonna make people think it was something that it wasn't. I'm gonna make them think that you were something you weren't if you don't stop running your mouth. So that just proves her allegation to be false. So that's why I had to tell that story. And then Kyle Kalinske covers it and he leaves that part out. He acted like I just woke up one day, wanted to go on my show and start talking about how Anna Kasparian used to dress at work. That's not how it happened. He left it out. It was, it was journalistic malfeasance. And if, it's like if, 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 if one day, here's how I describe it. If one day uh, I was standing at a bus stop and a woman was standing in the street and the bus was coming and it was gonna hit her. And so I had to move quick and I pushed her out of the way and I pushed her on the side, I pushed her down on the sidewalk. The way Kyle Kalinske would tell that story is, did you hear Jimmy Dore push an old lady down on the sidewalk? Well, why? I don't know, but that's fucked up, isn't it? He pushed an old lady down on the sidewalk. Well, he leaves out the part that the bus was coming and it was gonna kill her. That's pretty important. That's what Kyle Kalinske did in the retelling of that story. And it was ridiculous. Yeah, I found that I, I found that found that video very awful. I don't understand why he made that video. And I was very vocal about it myself. Um, I have to ask because his I, own I, fans called him out. Everybody called him out. He didn't get away with it. I didn't know what he was thinking. Like, did you think your own fans aren't going to see it? They already saw it. And they, he already had 7,000 dislikes just a few hours after he dropped it. But did you know I found out that they were taking dislikes away yep. from his video? Like literally they keep doing that. And I think it's because he's on the TYT network. So Kyle's show is still on the TYT network, which is on the corporate algorithm. So Kyle's dislikes were getting taken away. I don't know if that's right, but I know for a fact that his dislikes are being taken away off that video. Yeah, I noticed they went down. Comment. You can't find a comment under there that supports that fucking video. Every comment under his own video, his own viewers are calling him out for that bullshit. And it, it was sad. It was really sad. For me, it was personally, I mean, he, he went on Joe Rogan the last time I was on Joe Rogan. And he and Joe Rogan uh, likes me a lot and has respected me and my comedy. And we know Joe and I know each other through comedy. We, 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 we were at the U.S. Comedy Arts Festival in 2004 together. We've known each other for a long time. He really respects me. And so he brings me up and Kyle's like, oh, Jimmy Dore's my good friend. He's my good friend. Really? That's how you treat your good friend? You fucking uh, don't tell the whole, whole story? You tell half a story that makes Jimmy look like a creep? Shame on you forever, Kyle. Forever. Hmm. Um, 
what could be done? Because I know, you know, I, I was really vocal about Kyle's video, a little angry in that video, apparently to some people. But again, that's not someone that I have like a relationship with. So I can just like walk away from it and be like, whatever's. But for you, is is there anything that could be done to rectify the situation? Well, um, when you, I'm done with the situation. I've handled it. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about it anymore uh, uh, on my show anyway. But if someone asks me about it, I'll talk. I'll answer a question. But I don't, I don't have the emotional bandwidth to do another video about um, uh, the smears and lies. I think I've done enough. I think I got the word out. Ironically, I think what TYT did was actually have the Streisand effect. The more they smeared Aaron and the more they don't apologize and the more they smear me, the more attention gets put on uh, the OPCW whistleblowers and the bullshit of what we're doing in Syria. And the Young Turks are on board for all of it. Mm. What if, if Kyle came to you like tomorrow and apologized for everything? That would be great. That's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> they ghosted me. I was supposed to go on their show and, and be interviewed. They didn't even send me an email or a text or a phone call. And that's a guy who calls me his good friend. You just ghost your good friend. They ghosted me. They stood me up. It was really unprofessional and rude. And, and then they said the reason they did that was they didn't want to, uh, him and Crystal didn't want to get into the war between me, Aaron, and TYT. Uh, okay. Uh, and, um, uh, but then they had on Jenk's nephew <laughs> instead of me. And, of course, Jenk's nephew refers to everything as uh, Jimmy Dore drama. And they concurred. They all laughed and giggled and agreed that it was like high school drama, which now you've inserted yourself into this. So Kyle pretends he got dragged into it. No, you inserted, you on your show brought on Jenk's fucking nephew while you were ghosting Jimmy Dore, your good friend, not even, not even giving him the courtesy of an email or a phone call or anything. While you were doing that, you were bringing on Jenk's nephew in his stead and Jenk's nephew was then bringing it up and referring to it as Jimmy Dore drama as opposed to what it is. It wasn't drama. It was the number one online news show doing a smear campaign against anti-war journalists. That's what it was. Agreed. Um, why do you think more people with larger platforms didn't come at, or didn't come out and defend Aaron Matei? Uh, I, I think because they think TYT is bigger and more powerful than they actually are. TYT is crumbling. They're over, you know, nine out of 10 of the, their own paying members, they they pulled them on force to vote and 85.6% were for force to vote. And then Jenk went around and lied about it and said that McCarthy could become speaker if we did it. And his own viewers saw it and they left. They're not putting up with that shit. I don't know what the, the hubris of Jenk Uger to think he could lie and, uh, also, Kyle Kalinske, you think he could tell that story and leave out the part that Anna blackmailed me? What do you think? I don't know what these people are thinking. Cenk, your own your own audience called you out on this. Nine out of ten of your own audience members were on Jimmy Dore's side. How do you think this is going to fucking turn out for you? 
Nobody watches their show anymore. They get the only vid, the only clicks they get anymore is on their usual Trump bait shit. They're still covering fucking Trump six months after. Or if they do an outrage Tucker Carlson video or Matt Getz, it's all these fucking uh, drama videos that is getting their stuff. I'm doing uh, hour long videos with Aaron Mate uh, debunking uh, imperialism and CIA talking points, and we're getting 100, 200,000 views on that stuff. So they, by the way, when they cover Syria, they got 22,000 views when they pushed the CIA talking points. Literally, Anna and Jenk brought on a guy who was a CIA mouthpiece on their show and acted like they were covering Syria and they repeated every bull and they smeared the whistleblowers. Jenk and Anna smeared the OPCW whistleblowers at the same time they smeared Julian Assange and WikiLeaks. That's what they're fucking doing, everybody. I'm not making it up. Mm. I just feel like if 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 Kyle could have come out in the beginning and defended Aaron Matei, do you guys know like how far that could have went? Do you guys understand the lengths that that could have gone to if someone like him did that? So so to me, it's like just to sit back and be quiet and be like, I don't want to be involved and I don't want to be in the middle. It's like it's not like they were attacking Aaron because they don't like Aaron. They were attacking Aaron's journalist work. Aaron Matei is one of the most inherently likable people in the world. <laughs> he is nothing but fair. He is nothing but measured. Uh, and he is nothing but honest. And he has integrity. And he has real courage. Uh, he's one of the best people I've ever met in my life. And uh, I, I hope someday I can be the man that Aaron Matei is. Um, but uh, in, until then, it's just hilarious because you know it wasn't because they didn't like him personally. They didn't like the work he was doing because he got he won an award. Uh, he won the IF Stone, the Izzy Award, which is the Independent Journalism Award, and he got it for his meticulous debunking of Russiagate. And now Jake Uger and Anna Kasparian were the biggest pushers of Russiagate. So he embarrassed them and humiliated them in that case. And then he did the same thing on Assyria and they could. They had a meltdown. Their their flex is to say you're a Russian, just like they did to Julian Assange. They said Julian Assange was a trumper. That's how they smeared Julian Assange and said that he could not be trusted. While Trump was trying to kill Julian Assange, Jenk and Anna were telling people he was working with Trump. Unfucking believable. And they've never apologized. They've never taken that video down. That video is still up and they've never apologized. And they just smeared Julian Assange again last week. I don't know how they get, how, what did they, th I don't know, why don't, Jen, just go get a job at MSNBC already. Why, what are you doing? Do you, you feel that TYT changed after they took that money from Katzenberg? Yeah. I, I know explicitly they changed. One of their top executives told me, I know we, we know we have to change, we have to move to the center. That's what he said. I'm not making that up. I know for a fact, but I also know for a fact that Jenk is an, at his core a right-wing Republican. Well, why, how do I know that? Well, he used to do pro-war rallies. I know that. He's been for every freaking war that we've ever been in, including Libya. There's videos of him. He's giddy over that after Libya was done, how he got it right. Then he's for bombing Syria. He's for every freaking intervention. Uh, it's, I forget what the, what was the question? Um, I, oh shoot, I forgot to. That's okay. <laughs> oh, oh, they, after they took the money from Katzenberg. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. So I was told, I, I, so, and, and, you know, and that's the thing too. So it was a lot allowed Jenks inner right winger to come out. I, I remember after Trump got elected and everybody was really down in the dumps, I turned to Jenk after a news show and I said, Jake, let's do something big. He said, like, what? I go, let's do something like, let's organize all the Walmart workers in California. And he goes, Jimmy, I'm not that into unions. And then he started the Justice Democrats with Kyle Kalinske. That was his next thing. And then they fired him because he's such a pig. How do you feel about Justice Democrat, uh, Justice Democrats today? Uh, we'd be better off without them. I tell people to stop donating to them. They give, they give the people the wrong impression that there's actually someone in government fighting for you. And I think if people knew that there wasn't, they, they would be much more apt to organize in the streets and shut shit down because that's the only way I think we're going to get anything now. And they'd be much more apt to vote third party. So if you have a conscience, I don't know how you could vote for this. This is a one party uh, uh, rule. You know, we, it's a, it's, it, it looks like two parties, but it isn't. Agreed. Um, in reference to third party, how do you feel we could convince people to vote third party? Because I try to talk to people about this and they're like, well, no, we only have two parties. And I'm like, no, you can vote for like the Green Party. Like, do you feel like maybe the Green Party should change their name? Because I've heard some people say that before. Like, how do you feel we can convince people to vote third party? I think the Green Party has a lot of problems uh, internally, structurally and things like that. And so uh, instead of me focusing on that party and what's wrong with it, I'm putting my focus on Movement for a People's Party that's being headed up by Nick Brana, uh, Cornell West, uh, Medea Benjamin, people like that are on the advisory board. Barry. So I'm, I'm doing, I'm, I'm gonna put my focus there. Now, are there problems with the People's Party? Yeah, uh, and is it, is it an up, uphill climb? Of course it is, but uh, at least there's a possibility of victory there's no possibility of victory in taking over the Democratic Party. That's been proven to us now. So I don't know what pe people who are against third parties, I don't know what they're advocating because there's there's nothing to advocate inside the Democratic Party. So uh, even Shama Sawan, when she came, she said the road for progressives inside the Democratic Party leads to, leads to a graveyard. Well, we're living in it. They had all the leverage in the world. They could have got you something. They're not getting you. Joe Biden isn't even giving us the shit he ran on, a $15 minimum wage and a public option. They're not even giving you that. So they just serve the oligarchs. We live in a, a rapacious oligarchy. Your vote doesn't fucking matter, actually. Mm. What do you feel like when people say that, no, we still need to push the squad and we still need to like give them time? I, I don't think we do need to give them more time. I think they've shown us who they are. Give them time for what? What is the excuse for them not doing what they already didn't do? There is no excuse. The only excuse is they are, uh, they are uh, servants of the Democratic Party and servants of the establishment. For what? For their own personal interests. Because if you're in Congress for five years, you get a pension for the rest of your life. You get speaking fees for the rest of your life. You get book deals for the rest of your life. You're on Easy Street for the rest of your life. They are corrupt and they are selling you out for their own personal gain. That is the definition of corruption. Kyle Kalinske likes to say this thing where the squad isn't corrupt because they don't take corporate money. So by definition, they can't be corrupt. I've never seen a definition that includes the word corporate in it. I don't, I don't know what book he's using, but the definition of corruption is do acting dishonestly 
in exchange for money or personal gain. That's the definition. So they're acting dishonestly for money and personal gain. That's what they're, just because they don't take corporate money, that's not the only money that they're doing it for. I, I pointed out on my show that AOC had an as personal appearance agent and she had a speaking fees from $50,000 to $150,000 was what they were asking for on her agency's website. Now that's scrubbed now, that's not around anymore, but that's what happens. So you get speaking, you get speaking engagements, you get book deals, you get, a, you get a pension for the rest of your fucking life. Because what Nancy Pelosi told the squad was, if you got, um, now this is my theory, if you try to go against this, I will bring the full weight of the Democratic Party and I will primary you from the left. I'll fund someone to their teeth to get you out. I'll do whatever we can. And so they were like, OK, you got it. You got it. We'll play ball. We'll bite our tongue and we'll go along with you. And you, when you say they're going along with Nancy Pelosi, that means they're going along with Goldman Sachs, Raytheon, Exxon and Blue Cross Blue Shield. That And we'll, that's who they're going along with. That's who they've bowed their knee to. That's who that, and so it's over. This idea that you could reform the Democratic Party is a fool's errand. And so the same thing about the third parties. Uh, people like to say, well, third parties can't win. Uh, you don't need to win. Let, let, let's, let me put it this way. Let's say if everybody who voted for Bernie, instead of voting for that war criminal uh, corporatist enemy of the people, Hillary Clinton. What if they voted for uh, Jill Stein and Jill Stein got, let's say, 15 percent of the vote? That's what I was saying before. I go, if, if everybody, when the, they, they took a poll, if they said I'm voting for Jill Stein and she was polling at 15 percent, Hillary Clinton couldn't win that election and they would have known it. And so now instead of her picking Tim Kaine, she would have had to maybe pick Jill Stein as vice president. She maybe would have had to go left. But because nobody will say they'll vote third party, they didn't, there was no threat to the Democratic Party. So that's what we should have done. So if everybody would have did that, Hillary would have still lost. We'd still got Trump. But we, the Democrats would now know they can't fucking do that anymore, that they have to get into a coalition government with the Greens. They have to get into a coalition government with a third party, with the, the progressives in the country. They actually need them now to get elected. And we would have been in a much better place in 2020. But instead, the Democrats went backwards because they know, as Lawrence O'Donnell explained, until you show you are willing to withhold your vote from the Democratic Party, they are never going to listen to you. So when Kyle Kalinske tells you to keep voting for Democrats, thinking that they're going to listen to you, that is a fool's errand. The only way you will ever affect policy is to show the Democrats that you will not vote for them and you will vote for a third party. That is the only way. And anybody who tells you different is delusional. Agreed. And I keep telling this to African-Americans as well. Like Democrats have already said like, well, we know black people are going to vote for us. We know we have their vote. And I'll say this again, stop voting for them. That's hold right. your vote, hold your vote for the democratic party or vote third party, but stop you. We don't owe them our vote. They've done nothing for us. I've lived in Democrat cities for a long time. I live in, in, in Boston and they've done nothing. Black communities are still terribly, the schools are still underfunded. What have they done? And when I, I say this to people, they're just like, well, then what are we supposed to do? Vote Republican? No, hold your vote. They're never going to give us anything if you continue to just give them your vote. That's 100% right. I mean, we're living in the result of voting lesser of two evil. I live in Los Angeles. There's people living under every freaking bridge. 
Okay, they just gave that they're about to give one hundred and ninety billion dollars for more nuclear bombs. Do you know that could end homelessness about five times over? It could end. What the fuck are we doing in this country? It's unbelievable. And the reason why people aren't in the streets revolting is because they got people telling you to, oh, no, the Democrats are fighting for you. Now they're, look, they're doing things. The squad gives Joe Biden an A. It's crazy. It's crazy. They, or they voted present for that Capitol Police bill. Three of them. They voted in a, that was a coordinated vote, right? So the only time they ever coordinated their vote and had a voting strategy was when they voted to refund the police. They're fucking sellouts. They are fucking now have turned into the enemies of the people who voted for them. And the quicker they realize that, the better. And they should stop. And I want to, Kyle Kalinske uh, now is criticizing the squad. He'll, I'll know he's real when he tells you to stop fucking donating to the Justice Democrats. That's when you'll know they're real. And if you want to keep funding these motherfuckers who are selling us out at every turn, then you're part of the problem. Mm. Jimmy, what's your opinion of Bernie Sanders now, given that he tends to side with Biden more and he's 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 Biden's good boy. He'll never go against Joe Biden. He even admits it. He goes, I'm only doing what what's in, uh, Joe Biden will approve of. He's not doing anything. Joe, Bernie Sanders is, is an ab, an abject failure. He will never use his power. He'll never use his leverage ever. He's never put a hold on a bill. And, you know, he voted for the largest upward transfer of wealth in his human history. He didn't put a hold on that bill. People are like, well, what was Bernie supposed to do with the CARES Act, Jimmy? He was supposed to put a hold on that bill and alert everybody that this was theft happening and that there was nothing in this bill for you, including health care. There was nothing in this fucking bill in the middle of a pandemic that this was a looting of the treasury. And pretty soon that uh, hedge funds and equity firms are going to be buying up all the houses and all the property that's going to be empty. And that's exactly what's fucking happening. And he didn't do that. You know who was saying to do that? Jimmy Dore and Dylan Radigan on my show. Bernie will never fucking do that. In fact, he gave a grandstanding speech and then he lied and told everybody he got you the unemployment benefits. He didn't. Michael Bennett got you the unemployment benefits. He wrote that bill. It was already fucking a done deal with Mitch McConnell. Bernie gave that speech as a grandstanding motherfucker. He'll never really use his leverage and he's proved it. He is nothing but a sheep herder for the Democratic Party. He has sold you out and failed. Mm. And that's another example where, because Bernie is an independent, but remember when Bernie was running for president, what did he continue to say? I will back anyone that is, if it's not me chosen, I'll back any democratic candidate that is chosen. So that shows you that Bernie's alliance was still with the democratic party, even though he's an independent. Bernie has a sweetheart deal with the democratic party, never to get into a, a, a challenge for his Senate seat. And that's been delineated in several articles. So he's, that Bernie is a Democrat. Bernie serves the establishment. He's never going to go against them in a real way. He's never going to put a hold on a bill. He's never going to, he didn't, I mean, it's unbelievable. He, what did he get for supporting Joe Biden? He got nothing. We didn't get the $15 minimum wage. We didn't get student debt relief. We didn't get marijuana taken off. We didn't get uh, anything, the public option even. We got nothing. Bernie got fucking nothing from Joe Biden and everybody's running around saying he's doing a great job. 
I have uh, one more question for you, Jimmy. Um, let's go back to last year and let's pretend, let's say that COVID never happened. Let's say that George Floyd, like that incident never happened. Does Biden still win in November? Isn't it ironic that after a whole summer of protests against police brutality and a call to defund them, that we we then elect the the guy who was the architect of the criminal race the the criminally racist criminal justice system that we have the reason why black and brown people are jailed right now at unbelievable higher proportional rates than they should be is because of Joe Biden and the crime bill and and then and then we, and then his vice president is California's top cop who bragged about putting truant kids and their parents and jailed them which means poor people who uh, who had to be ordered to let people out of prison and the reason why she wouldn't let people out of prison in California was because Kamala Harris's office said it would upset the prison labor system she had to be ordered by a court three times to release the overcrowded prisoners and she wouldn't be so after a whole summer of that black people and white people protesting that's who we that's who the democrats gave you to vote for and you fucking did and you fucking did i didn't i didn't vote for joe biden and kamala harris I, I have, and so uh, you get what you, I knew what you were gonna get. Joe Biden is up there refunding the cops again. Joe Biden ain't fucking doing any criminal. He's not gonna help you. Joe Biden says that what's wrong with black people is they don't have, they don't know lawyers and they don't have accountants. That's how demented Joe Biden is. Mm. Yeah. I, I honestly think like looking back on things, like if, if those things didn't happen, I think that Trump would have won again because Biden was just terrible. It's interesting to me how he lost Iowa. He lost New Hampshire. He lost Nevada. And then all of a sudden, boom, South Carolina, he wins that. And all of a sudden he's at the top of the race. That's questionable. And I think anybody should question that. Um, I don't think he would have won without that. You're right. Uh, to answer your question, you're right. That's how that's how pathetic the Democratic Party is and corrupt. That's how corrupt, it's not pathetic, because the Democratic Party is working exactly how their donors want it to work, believe me. And so it's not pathetic. It's actually just corrupt. And but they 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 found a bigger boogeyman. They found Trump as a bigger boogeyman. And so I wonder who they're going to find next time to get people to vote for a demented warmonger or uh, someone like uh, Kamala Harris, who no one can stand. Everyone sees through her now. She's a creep. Agreed. Could someone like Trump win again? Of course. That's what they're setting up. Someone even worse than Trump. Trump wasn't an ideologue. You know, Trump didn't try to consolidate his power. He didn't try. So like when the pandemic happened, he didn't fucking rule with an iron. He goes, let all the governors take care of it. It's the opposite of an authoritarian. And he didn't do that. Right. So he sometimes he would be sometimes he didn't have an he's not an ideologue. He wasn't that scary. He was just an idiot that was created by NBC and the entertainment structure. And uh and, and people were so desperate, they took a chance on him. He didn't know what the fuck he was doing. He didn't know how to be a real dictator. He didn't know what to do. But the next guy will. Mm. Agreed. Well, Jimmy, this has been so much fun. Like, thanks so much, like, for coming on. I really appreciate it. And, like, you using, like, your voice and your platform to, to lift up people like me. Like, I have a smaller channel and to lift up Black leftists as well. I really appreciate that. No, my pleasure. Uh, I like your show. I like your message. 
and uh, no problem. I, I get, I'll help boost you however I can. Thanks so much. And is there anything you want to plug before we go? No. Jimmy, thanks so much. Everyone in the audience, thank you so much for joining in. And this was awesome. This was great. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. And thanks for your support. Thanks for listening. You can watch the video of this podcast at Sabby Sab's channel on YouTube.